When we started the sermon series on relationships in September, John Botkin had mentioned about looking at the Bible to be our guide in learning about relationships. He had laid out two fundamental principles. The first was the way we relate to others matters to God. And the second is that it's God's plan for us that our relationship with him should shape and form the way we treat others. So from Paul's letter to Titus, we had looked at the nature of relationship that is expected of us as his children and followers, both with God and with one another. This is the third and last message on the theme of relationship from the letter to Titus. Three messages of incarnation are found in each of the three chapters of Titus. We looked at in Titus 1 from verses 1 to 4. From this chapter we studied the theme of dependent relationship and the framework of meaning, message and mission for understanding a true and healthy relationship with God and with others. In Titus chapter 2, the summary of incarnation is found in verses 11 to 14. From this chapter, we looked at devoted relationship and the essential pillars of establishing and sustaining a devoted relationship. I took the analogy of the tripod stool, which I thought was tripod, but it's actually four legs. My sons had a fun laugh with that. It got deleted from the YouTube video. (laughs) I had no choice with that one. It's a daily challenge, given the number of distractions vying for our attention to maintain a devoted relationship. But we depend on God in His grace and strength to say no to things that attack faith. What was the other one? Humility and denial of self. Okay, so what are the things that attack faith, humility, and denying self? One is doubt. The other is pride and indulgence. this on a daily basis to maintain a dependent relationship and to maintain a devoted relationship. You and I know that's easier said than done. In Titus 2, 11 to 14, we read, for the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own. 
own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. I want you to park that, those few lines in your heart. Totally committed to doing good deeds. The third incarnation message is found in Titus 3 verses 4 to 7. That's where the third incarnational message is found. Jesus Christ is our King. When God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we'll inherit eternal life. Paul goes on to say in the next verse, 8, This is a trustworthy saying, the incarnational message that Christ came, He died for us, He saved us. That's a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God, again, here comes those few words again, will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. So we see in the two incarnational summaries in chapter 2 and chapter 3 that Paul encourages the church to engage in doing good. Therefore, I think it is safe to conclude that an uncorrupted, dependent, and devoted relationship should bring forth dutiful living, a responsibility to do good works. I'll repeat myself. Therefore, I think it is safe to conclude that an uncorrupted, dependent, and devoted relationship should bring forth dutiful living. In other words, a responsibility to do good works. Can you, if you were wondering what the title of my message is, you got it. I struggled with that a bit. I was trying to alliterate. Dependent, devoted, dutiful. So I fought with that one for a bit. I prayed before I had driven relationships. I didn't sit well with that one too. So I prayed, Lord, I need a title because to have a message without the title, it's like having a bottle without a label. Not sure what exactly goes inside it. So as I was praying, this, this verse came, this, this particular title came to mind and I began to be convinced that we have a responsibility to Jesus Christ our King. We serve our King. It's not because of a duty that we just need to fulfill, but because we are dependent and we are devoted. Hence, we fulfill a responsibility out of the fact that He first loved us. Oh, that's powerful. That makes dutiful living worth it. It puts a different meaning to it, a different perspective to it. In Matthew 5, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples, 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and gives its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. A few weeks ago, Justina, speaking from the book of James, talked about good works without Christ is dead works. And faith in Christ without works is dead faith. Do you remember that? So doing good works without depending and devoting or living in a dependent and devoted relationship to God is dead works. Isaiah 64.6 calls those works filthy rags. They are nothing but filthy rags is what it alludes to in that. Paul considered himself as a slave of God and appointed and commanded or appointed by the command of God to do the works of God. So Paul saw himself as a slave and he was appointed by the command of God to do the works of God. In Ephesians 2, he talks about how we are saved through faith and not by works and that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You see now where good works lies? It's not before the relationship, it's after the relationship. And we need to get that. Or at least have it, have a refocus daily on, I mean every day in our lives. In John 4.20, 1 John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer... That person is a liar. I found that a little hard to swallow. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That's 1 John 4.20. It's a command. Hence we are duty bound. Not duty-bound for the sake of doing it and saying, check, done. But duty-bound because we have a dependent relationship on him that has a meaning, message, and a mission. We have a devoted relationship with him that is filled with faith, humility, and denying of self. And then our works are valuable in the sight of God. Am I making sense, folks? If we love God, then we see how he has loved us. And that should cause us to love others. Keep in mind, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's cultivated. If it's not cultivated, it dies. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15, that either way, Christ's love controls us. NIV says Christ's love controls compels us but I think the picture is more of controlling us since we believe that Christ died for all we also believe that we have all died to our old life he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them 
One commentary says that the idea is that Christ's love completely controls and dominates Paul so that he has no option but to preach. What does it mean to us? We go out preaching to everybody? Christ's love controls us that we enter into, to use John Botkin's term, into a missional relationship. Am I making sense? I'm trying to connect all the sermons that we have heard in the past few weeks because today is wrap-up day. I was excited when I was preparing this. I could see the thread going through and through in all the messages. Though we haven't connected, just introduce me to what is expected. We are speaking on relationships. Hallelujah. And the rest, we have to depend on God to provide us guidance. So, we do not live for ourselves, but for Christ. In other words, we are duty-bound. We are duty-bound. In Titus 3, Paul identifies two areas where we love God and have experienced his love. In Titus chapter 3, Paul identifies two areas where we love God and have experienced his love and can practice dutiful living. That's found in Titus chapter 3. Two areas Titus identifies where we can demonstrate, where we can apply this dutiful living. One area is the community. Outside. He says in verse 1, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. Did you notice? It says always ready to do what is good. Not to blindly obey. If it's bad, stand against it. If it's unjust, stand against it. But if it's good, obey. Submit. Question to you. What are some ways in which we have and can demonstrate dutiful living by being ready to do what is good for our community? Repeat the question. What are some ways in which we have and can demonstrate dutiful living by being ready to do what is good for our community? As you think about it, I'm going to share two examples. One example, if you remember, is Bill 34. What in the world is that? We all signed a petition to our MLAs when Rick was the pastor. I'll read it. Bill 34. The Medical Assistance in Dying, Protection for Health Professionals and Others Act. It was voted and passed a few weeks ago. Thank you for all your prayers and support and for writing to your MLAs when Pastor Rick presented this in September. What would be another one? Another one would be EFC's Prayer for Religious Freedom. Anybody heard of that? Okay. So let's watch a short video.
The Supreme Court of Canada will soon hear a critical case about religious freedom on November 30th and December 1st. And the EFC, along with the Canadian Council of Christian Charities, are asking evangelicals to join us in a day of prayer on Sunday, November 26th. Trinity Western University is seeking to establish a law school. The law school was approved by the Federation of Law Societies on academic grounds. However, several provincial law societies said they would not accredit because Trinity Western asked its students to sign a community covenant based on biblical principles. The covenant addresses issues like dignity and respect, and it defines marriage of the union of one man and one woman, and it reserves sexual intimacy for the marriage relationship. The Supreme Court will hear arguments from two law societies and from Trinity Western, along with many interveners, including the EFC and our co-intervener, Christian Higher Education Canada. The court will decide whether a government body can withhold accreditation from an organization that meets all the relevant criteria solely because they are a religious institution. And it's important to note that Trinity Western does not violate the Human Rights Code of British Columbia. A decision against Trinity Western could affect other Christian colleges and universities, and perhaps any public accreditation or benefit to a religious organization, specifically those that require its staff to abide by a covenant. It could determine that Christian organizations must no longer require their staff to be Christians or live according to biblical principles in order to be accredited or to receive a public benefit. On November 26, please join us in praying for the wisdom for the judges, the lawyers, and the interveners involved. Please pray for a good ruling for Trinity Western and for religious freedom in Canada. Pray for our governing authorities and that we may live in peace. And pray that we, as followers of Jesus, would be compassionate and godly citizens. For more about the Day of Prayer, please visit our website. Our strength is in the Lord. May we be faithful servants in all we say and do. And let's join together in prayer on Sunday, November 26th. Sunday, November 26th is today. Churches across Canada are praying because this will affect Elam Chapel too. We have a bulletin out there with information, but let's take a few seconds now to quietly pray as churches across Canada are praying for this, for a good ruling. The King's heart is in the Lord's hands. He directs it. He directs, he directs it as he pleases. Let's take a few seconds, close our eyes, look to the Lord and pray. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for the revelation of your will. In Jesus' name, amen. The next community that we can be involved in is our workplaces. That's out there. Most of us here work, have a secular job. We don't like calling it a secular job. We have a job. And that's a community we are in. I work at a college, so it's a large community for me. This includes a place of work, a calling. For some, it could be at home. That's a calling too. Paul speaks about this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to 25. Servants. Do what you're told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that'll get you by. 
do your best. Work from the heart of your real master for God. Confident that you will get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. I used to remember a friend of mine who was a believer and who was a very ardent evangelist while he was in college. He and I would have these conversations. I would say, what are you doing out there? Don't you have classes? He said, no, I'm serving the Lord. I said, by missing classes? No, I'm called to be an evangelist. I should go out and preach the good news to the student body. Missing classes? That's what he said. You see the problem? We are called to excel wherever God has placed us. Continue in a dependent and devoted relationship. And then continue to do what the Lord would have us do. So he had his priorities mixed up. And he called his theology butcher theology. Which I didn't agree with too. All right. The next area that Titus focuses on that we can be involved in dutiful living is the church the body of Christ this is a trustworthy saying and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good these teachings are good and beneficial for everyone our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others then they will not be unproductive. Our church, Elam Chapel, is a caring church. It's a family. I feel part of this family. But we still have to grow. We still have to cultivate. It's a daily process. And I pray that God would strengthen all of us, that we can be engaged in cultivating love, and engaged in caring for one another. Not because we feel it, but because he directs us, he guides us. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then we will not be unproductive. We should learn. It's a learning that needs to happen. In relation to this, I would encourage each one, of us, each one of us to prayerfully identify areas of gifting for service. What would be an area of service that you would like to be involved in? Is it serving? The scripture identifies many areas. Some are gifted with administration. Some are gifted in serving. Some are gifted in praying for the sick. I didn't, I didn't pick up any of those references because that's too many. But I want you to go home and think about it. What is an area that you would like to be involved in Elam Chapel? Some of you I know are involved in multiple areas. Praise God. Thank you. But others still considering. 
Others don't have time. But that's fine. God understands. Don't punish yourself. I often say that. At the right time, as you continue in a dependent and devoted relationship to Him, He will open doors. That is the time you need to obey. So think about it. What is an area that you would like to be involved in here at this church? Question to you. What are some ways in which we have and can demonstrate dutiful living by being ready to do what is good for our church? Think about it. Justina mentioned Christmas hampers. Probably contributing to that to begin with. Serving in a ministry. We have youth ministry, children's ministry, food bank, security, choir, worship team. Congregational meeting is happening right after this service. I encourage you, attend, participate. And see where you can serve and where you can use your gifting. What I find is sometimes when you sit there and soak, I'm a sit and soak person. You may have probably guessed it by now. I usually sit way at the back. Doesn't mean I'm not involved. I'm a sit and soaker. I sit and soak. That's me. Some of you are sit and soaking. That's fine. Take it home with you. Re-examine your relationship with God through the framework that we have shared and see, Lord, where would you have me be? What would you have me do? If what I'm doing is pleasing to you, how best can I do more? Sometimes he would say, my daughter, my son, you are doing enough. Don't burn yourself out. I need you. And that's fine too. Take a few seconds to think and prayerfully ask God, I'm going to give you a few seconds, about an area that you would like to serve in. You may have never done it before, but you would like to try. While I'm speaking this, you may get a gentle nudging within you. Go ahead. Pick up a Get Connected card. It's right in front of you. Some of you may be involved in a ministry. You're thinking, I have done sufficient in that ministry. I'd like to move on to another one. Try my gifting in another area. Or I'd like to try that out and see how I do in that area. If that is you, you still can fill up that information in the Get Connected card right in front of you, in the pew, right in front of you. Fill it out. And the church will contact you. So I'm going to give you a few seconds just to think about it. And if you want to fill out a Get Connected, perfect. But if you want to jot down somewhere, just jot down.
Let us pray. This prayer is personal. If you want to read this prayer for yourself, that's why I've brought it up on the PowerPoint slide. I've personalized the prayer. Feel free to use the prayer, to read the prayer out loud if you'd like to, within your heart if you would like to, but I'm going to read it out loud for myself. You can join with me. Father, thank you for giving me an opportunity in the past weeks to listen about relationships and how that matters to you. Help me to examine daily my dependence and devotion to you, understanding that it is your plan that my relationship with you should shape and form the way I treat others. Dutifully living that you may be glorified. God bless.